Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back, my friends. For those who haven't heard the last time he was here, Brent started AMZ Pathfinder in 2015. His friend was selling on Amazon and he knew Brent had experience with Amazon. So he invited him over to help him out. And from this relationship, he ended up building and founding AMZ Pathfinder. And that is Brent Zaradnik. Brent, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well. I'm, I'm considering everything going on in the world. I'm doing very well. Very fortunate here. So <laughs> happy to happy to join you today. Nice. So you're in France right now. You are you're you're staying home due to the virus. Yeah, we have fairly uh, restrictive lockdown here in France in terms of just movement and what we're able and not able to do. And I'm trying to respect that to letter the law as best I can, especially yeah. since I'm a foreigner living here, an immigrant. And I uh, don't want to run afoul of the military police. So, uh, yeah, being a good boy. <laughs> so how do you do that? You got you have to leave every six months? Uh, no, I have a long-term visa, personally. Um, no. You know, I have to renew that every year. But depending on my soon-to-be uh, situation with my partner here, we might be, we might be getting a more serious commitment going. So uh, that would change that situation. But essentially, uh, you know, I'm, I'm totally legal here. No worries. But, yeah. you know. With my mediocre French, I don't want to get in any sticky situations with the police. So <laughs> try to stay on my nose, keep my nose out of it. Yeah, so th that explains why uh, when you search for your name followed by LinkedIn, mm -hmm. we always get a FR version, which is the French version. Oh, and, interesting. And I was so surprised. I'm like, I always get English. Why is that? So, yeah, so uh, to, in order to get your English version, I have to type, search your name in LinkedIn. Oh, interesting. I yeah. No one's ever told me that before, but it yes. makes sense. I think my, my uh, profile is probably set up um, but maybe incorrectly. I'm not like a LinkedIn pro. That's maybe one thing I should put some time into as we're all locked down here is optimizing that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's really business. popular these days. Everybody and their brothers on LinkedIn. Yeah. Oh, yes, man. I have, I'm pretty big on LinkedIn. Um, I've been using it for many years and have like uh, 16,000 followers and 15,000 connections. Wow. And it's very powerful. Yeah. It's, it's very powerful because you can, depending on who you connect to, uh, LinkedIn is going to give you, uh, show you other connections that are related to the same thing. So if you're, sure. if you're connected with Amazon sellers, all, everybody that Amazon or Amazon uh, LinkedIn is going to show you are other Amazon sellers, right? So that's how their algorithm works. So all your audience becomes super uh, relevant to you. And uh, I mean, if, if you do it properly now, there's a lot of people that add everybody just so yeah. they can get, you know, a huge, uh, huge amount of uh, connections. And that may actually ruin the, the relevancy of your audience. Yeah, we've all received the messages that are like uh, kind of a cold pitch. Some of them are actually quite good and you know, I'll mm -hmm. engage with the person because I understand what they're doing as a, as a B2B business owner. Like I get it. Um, and there's, there's a few times I've, you know, engaged with those people in a more serious capacity, even bought a service or something. But yeah, yeah there's a lot of noise uh, as well. So lots, that, lots of noise. Yeah. <laughs> lots of noise. So how's business? Things are fairly stable. Um, I'm, I'm happy to report. So 
in, in general, um, you know, our, our biggest concern would be outcomes for clients, right? So how are the clients doing? And I'm sure that uh, all the people who listen to this involved with some way in the Amazon world have had some sort of effect or impact on the business. I would say a good 30% of our clients uh, from the advertising side have had a growth or even an explosive uh, you know, increase in sales thanks to whatever markets they're in, not necessarily, you know, face masks or whatever, which I think yeah. you, you can't even buy now on Amazon, right? They just decided to put the kibosh on that. But uh, things that are more conducive to the, you know, the new hierarchy of needs that consumers have being stuck at home, whatever that may be. Um, and of course, that depends on country and states and the US and everything. But in general, some of them have seen a big bump, which has been interesting, uh, an interesting time because typically, you know, February, March, some of the slower months on Amazon. Yeah, and all of your customers are advertising customers, like PPC, sponsored ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% are uh, engaging on advertising. Some of them also do uh, like storefront buildouts with us. And one thing we're doing now as well is DSP. Uh, we're just in the early stages of restarting yeah. that, you know, Amazon's display display network. I mean, that's advertising too. It's just a different kind. But all of them are running, yeah, Seller Central and Advertising Console ads in some form or another. Um, and, you know, the majority of our clients are still North American based, but we have a pretty large percentage that are European companies too. So we get to see a lot of the other markets as well. Do you find there was a lot of customers that stopped advertising during this situation? That is a really good question. I think that... Um, I think the answer is yes, first of all, yes. <laughs> and I think that that's a bit misguided um, because in my, in my kind of reckoning of the situation, barring a situation where you have no stock available or Amazon has straight up like prohibited you from selling, I think pausing your ads entirely is not, is not the right choice. Um, I think that really carefully assessing and being realistic with yourself about what the demand for your products is going to be within the next couple months and where your stock inventory levels are going to be because obviously people are having trouble sending things in, uh, you know, to Amazon. And I think three PLs are even getting a bit overwhelmed because there's a sudden, uh, you know, explosion of interest from a lot of Amazon sellers. Maybe you can tell me about that because I think you probably know more about that than I do. Uh, but I think pausing ads entirely is not the way to do it. However, in our data, uh, we have a pretty good, um, you know, top-down view of all of our accounts together, like in aggregate, we have a piece of software we use for that. And we can see definitely the cost per click has decreased by, mm, I would say five to 8%, like across the board average. Um, in some marketplaces, much more. Um, and I can get into some other stats too that I've kind of put together. I got them on my second screen here. But uh, yeah, I would say that people have definitely stopped advertising and it's maybe due to suddenly they have a terrible ACoS and it's, it spooked them, you know, and they, in the first two weeks there, they panicked yeah. and they just said, let's stop. Um, might be due to cash flow issues. You know, that's one thing we have to pay close attention to with clients or just inventory because they didn't expect that all of a sudden they would be having Christmas halfway through March. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't, they didn't think that would happen, <laughs> which is reasonable. You know, no one expected that. So. Yeah. There's two situations. One is like, uh, it's like Christmas in March, like you said. Yeah. And the other one is the people that are selling the impulsive buy things that are not essential that mm -hmm. now not only they can't restock, but at the same time, the demand did not go up, right? There's, there's things that I, I cannot understand that demand has grown so much and mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them everybody knows is toilet paper. I cannot sure. understand it. Um, <laughs> no, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> but there's other things that had a really big growth because of the virus or coincidentally right. during this time that I can't understand. But yeah, there, there's definitely others that have, have reduced really, really big time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to your comment about the FBM, uh, I, I, I cannot figure it out. Um, when it comes to the FBA, everything has, has been perfect until now. And when it comes to the FBM, like a lot of, a lot of sellers, like you mentioned, are trying now to get, they're start starting to fulfill their, their own. Mm-hmm. And of course I can't fulfill my own in the States, uh, personally. So I have a third party fulfillment company, the one that stores all my stuff before it even goes to Amazon mm-hmm. and I cannot get them to, to get it right. I don't, is it just me or man, they cannot ship within 24 hours. They cannot update Amazon when, where Amazon needs the, the tracking number. Uh, they miss shipments. Uh, and I'm dealing with a big, big fulfillment company. So does everybody else, I don't know, everybody else, you guys listening, does it run smoothly for you? Or cause I'm afraid of doing FBM that Amazon is going to strike my account. Yeah, that's a sure. reasonable fear. I think some of these companies are more modern than others. And some of them maybe have been running an old school way for years and it's worked. And maybe the owners don't see a need to change. And then mm-hmm. they get stuck in their ways. I mean, we have a client that actually has a fulfillment service. And we know that they're Amazon sellers. We, we work with their account. They do very well. And furthermore, you know, their fulfillment service is set up and geared towards other Amazon companies because they understand the needs of those companies and they know that Amazon has very high standards. Um, You know, famously there's um, what's it called? Uh, Seller fulfilled uh, prime SFP, right? That program, which is now I believe on pause, but I think that's at an account by account basis. I don't think that's like based on the warehouse, but a lot of these warehouses have SFP capabilities and those people I think are probably doing the best right now. If you had some stock there, able to get it, that's that's an interesting move. Yeah, I wonder if it's like their business just grew overnight, like everything else, and now instead of having two or three customers doing FBM, they have a hundred thousand, and maybe they <laughs> right. can't keep up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And who knows? Maybe some of those warehouse employees, you know, at the end of the day, there's actual physical, you know, people in in the in the stacks, you know, picking and packing stuff. Uh, at Amazon and at other warehouses. And I have friends who have worked at Amazon. I have friends who work at other warehouses. I'm talking to one of them just 30 minutes ago here on uh, on like a Facebook chat. He works at a warehouse back in uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And he was telling me about, um, you know, 15 people have been, uh, you know, fallen ill at his warehouse with COVID. And now it's like, <laughs> oh. you know, what do we do next? It's, it's a really tough scenario because it's like, do they, do they still work? Are they going to get laid off? Is it going to be furloughed? You know, and, Wow. It's a big discussion ongoing in the U.S. clearly and other places, but yeah, there's a lot of things that could go wrong um, to not get a package to you. So I think, Man. yeah, you can't work from home doing that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the reasons I, you know, crossing my fingers and going, I'm glad I'm in an online industry. You know, I've been telling this to my team and other people, but I feel like the remote work revolution is is now about ten years. Uh, ahead of where it was like two two months ago, I feel like things are moving in this direction. More and more people are figuring out. More and more companies, I should say, are figuring out. Yeah, we actually don't need to fly everybody everywhere for business meetings, and 
get everybody in the office at the same time all the time. It's nice. I mean, I enjoy that when I work in that environment too. And when we have team meetups, it's awesome, but maybe not all the time. You know, we don't need to spend $20,000 for a floor of a building in downtown Philadelphia, right? So uh, maybe we can just uh, not do that. And uh, yeah. I, I think that uh, the remote work revolution has come early now. Everyone's yes. realizing it. Yeah. And, yeah, and Zoom yeah. is benefiting tremendously, right? Like we talked about before we <laughs> started recording. Yeah, immensely. So listen, you, you mentioned about pausing ads. That, that's another thing that sometimes worries me. If mm. for whatever reason I have to pause an ad, I always, and I have not tested this, but I always think in the back of my mind that when I turn it back on, it's not going to be the same. Now, is, is there any truth to this? It depends on the duration, right? So if you pause it for like a weekend, and we do this for some clients, we have campaigns that shut off over the weekend. That's that's fine. Yeah. That's okay. But if you're going to be pausing that for a period of weeks, uh, I, I would I would think there's probably going to be a different performance coming out the other side of that. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, the recent sales history, conversion data, all that stuff matters. So I, I would say instead of looking at it holistically as like campaign and then is campaign paused or not paused? Uh, what I've been encouraging the team to do and think more in the direction of is rather, uh, you know, keywords, right? Because campaigns are just the container for the keywords and keywords are the things that are spending more specifically the search terms are the things that are getting the sales. So uh, now is really the time to examine things on a keyword level um, and I think maybe use more and more tight match types, you know, things that are auto and broad inside Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to really consider relevance and where people are in the sales funnel at this point. It might be smarter to migrate more of your spend into phrase and, you know, more specifically exact match um, in, in this time. That's, that's what I think personally. That's what we've been trying to, trying to do. Those exploratory terms, like uh, just to give a really basic example, uh, like, um, say like at home fitness, you know, a lot of people are searching for home gym and one of our clients I've noticed that search term in particular has just exploded in a couple of campaigns and we've been, you know, blocking it out and make, setting negatives and everything. But home gym is very general, right? Someone could be looking for anything like free weights, uh, elastic bands, uh, one of those like ab rollers, there's all kinds of stuff I'm sure is selling very well right now. And if you sell those things, Three months ago might have been a great time to have Hone Gym in there at 30 cents. But, uh, you know, now maybe that's not the case because there's just so many more people uh, on Amazon who are like first time shoppers too. And they're just browsing around, clicking around. You know, we've seen conversion rates drop. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, you're going to have to test that in an individual basis. But that's my just off the top of the head example. Yeah. And, uh, you know, touch base on what you said about search volumes growing for, for certain things. And, until now, I don't know if there was another way, but the way I used to track search volume in the past, right? For example, you can always see with certain tools, you can always see what the estimated search volume is for something today. But I couldn't unless I had searched for something, let's say in January, I wouldn't know what to compare it to. And coincidentally, two, two days ago at the time of this recording, Helium 10 launched that new search volume over time tool. Uh, did you see that? I have not used that. Now I want to try it out because we, we just use brand analytics all the time to yeah. look at different week time periods. Maybe they're just pulling that data somehow and mashing it up. Yeah, probably. So now, I mean, you can see the, the graph that shows you the sales growth or decrease. Sure. 
And now I put them side by side with the search volume so we can actually see if the sales growth of a certain ASIN, like a competitor's ASIN, if it was due to external campaigns or if it was really related to Amazon search increase, right? Mm -hmm. So, right, right. Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool now. Like a rising tide lifts all boats kind of yes. idea, right? Yeah. yeah. So because seeing... if you're selling puzzles right now or bread machines or whatever, of course your sales are going to blow up. It's not, you know, you don't need to run a single campaign probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you probably should, but you might not need to if you're going to stock out in three days or whatever. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So those that are about to stock out and their sales mm -hmm. are growing very fast because that happened to me in in one of the brands people people wanted and there was a big issue with it was that that those increased sales I'm talking about probably 3x the, the volume maybe mm -hmm. um and i mean it, it it grew so fast that we were getting i don't know if you measure the the so-called tacos like mm -hmm. the okay so we were getting so many organic sales from yeah. it that uh, our our tacos was like high time low. High, what do you call it? It was record all time low. low. Yeah. Yes. So basically, the the sales, you know, the 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 spend ad spend versus the organic weighting was it was so small, which is good. Usually, yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and we were still <laughs> spending the exact same amount daily on sure. on ads. It's just, <laughs> uh, but the thing was, I knew it was going to run out, and because the supplier couldn't fulfill me right i i could still send to amazon because it was considered essential and it still is but the supplier cannot give me anymore great and that was <laughs> that was the issue so it screw up screw up our timeline and because of that we ended up running out of stock and i mean even even the cost per click that decreased you notice that on mm -hmm. Yeah, so it must Yeah, have. absolutely. Yeah, we've seen that across, uh, like I said before, was it like 5 to 7% decreases overall? And then some yeah. accounts, um, I heard it put a really good way on another podcast. It was like the the thrive or dive. Like, is your market diving or is it thriving, right? I really like that. That's from the Ad Badger uh, podcast, uh, yeah. Ad Badger Den. But they, they talked about this idea, thrive or dive. And we definitely have clients that are thriving or diving, depending on you know what the market is. So a lot of them do have competitors that have just said, you know, this is too much for me. I'm out or I'm stocked out. I'm done. Uh, and then of course that means less players in the game. The bid uh, environment is less competitive. So yeah, the cost per click goes down. Yeah, man. Oh man. I, it's at times like this that we learn that just having the one supplier, for example, if you're dealing with supplements, so like, you know, that supplier has to come from North America or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't get some supplements from China. But man, when you're North American supplier and there's one in Canada, one in the USA, and neither mm -hmm. one of them can supply you with anything, I, I, your mind starts going crazy. Like, where else can I get them? Because this is, right, these are the right. million dollar months. And no, you can't get enough. And those relationships can take... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, they, they can take months to establish depending on what you need and what the spec for it is and where it's coming from, especially if it's coming from overseas, yeah. you know, Asia in particular, it takes a long time. As I understand it, air freight is incredibly expensive right now. I was talking to a client yesterday. Um, you know, they're considering flying some things over and it's like, no, the, the price doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, w- what we used to do or, or, or still do because it, it still hasn't changed, but is try to get, for example, um, if we have one manufacturer that, that supplies you with some sort of vitamin, mm-hmm. every time I need to order, let's say if I'm going to order 50,000 units, I do not order 25 from one guy, 25 from another one. I give all 50 to one because you get the better price. But that is what came back to bite us is because you give all your orders to one vendor or one manufacturer, when things get tight, yeah, right, the other guy is not going to give me preference because the rest of the year I didn't go to them. Right. You, you give him a cold shoulder. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so there's a benefit to that, but there's a little bit of fragility built into it. Is what, if, yeah. if things like this happen. So, uh, sure. Yeah. In the future, I don't know how uh, we're, we're going to fix that situation if, if it needs fixing, because I don't know if there's going to be another uh, COVID 19 or the COVID 20 or whatever, or the 25 coming every year now. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people. I, I know who are in like more than more in the like investing space uh, who deal with like markets. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they're a lot of them are calling this like a black swan event. Are you familiar with this term black swan? I heard of it, but I'm not sure what it is. It basically means like a, a an event that can't really be foreseen, but still has a small percentage chance of happening. Mm-hmm. But if it does happen, it has, uh, you know, potentially catastrophic effects. I might be, kind of uh, defining it as slightly incorrectly, but it's, it's an event that's incredibly rare, like a black swan. You know, you don't see a black swan very often. Um, and so this idea is there's a lot of risk in a black swan event. And so we're undergoing that right now. This is what's happened to markets. And, uh, you know, Amazon's definitely part of that. So uh, it, it try as they might, uh, even Amazon's having, the invincible Amazon is having a hard time dealing with it, right? Have you been on their homepage recently? I went today just before this call to check, and you know they're still not promoting any physical products at all on the homepage, which is one of the most valuable websites on the internet. I mean, let's be clear: like the homepage of Amazon, if there's something yeah. on there, it's going to get attention. Um, and then uh, what else? Yeah, I've heard that they have. I, don't, I haven't seen this email, but I've heard from multiple people who own these websites. You know, people have those affiliate websites for Amazon yeah. links and stuff. Uh, I've heard that they have sent emails out and told people to uh, to slow down on like the promotions because they, you know, they just want less and less physical products being sold because they just can't keep up with the demand and the system's under such a burden. It's amazing. Never heard of that before. Yeah, it, it's incredible. I saw uh, this is completely unheard of, but this was just yesterday. Somebody posted a screenshot of the Amazon homepage on Facebook and they were advertising a Dodge Ram pickup. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. And uh, th- that that was going on. Uh, th- it was shared on Facebook. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. It's a great opportunity for Dodge and very smart to do that. And uh, but man, uh, I didn't even know you could sell uh, pickup trucks on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're a big enough brand, I mean, we we all know like. Um, so, so I, I mentioned this earlier, DSP is uh, the demand side platform, Amazon's display ads. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that Dodge and whoever else is, has these kind of uh, agreements with Amazon at a much bigger level through Amazon advertising. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's many tiers above where we're playing at my agency with uh, you know, medium, small businesses. Uh, you know, like someone like a Dodge has the budget to do that. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that uh, car sales are probably down right now. I mean, I have a friend, a good friend who's a car salesman and he's not even working. So <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that things are, uh, things are rough. 
but uh, maybe they got a good deal on that front page <laughs> because Amazon's certainly going to be missing their um, their quarterly uh, estimates for income from ads. I mean, no doubt with all these people yeah. kind of pulling out of the game, cost per clicks down, sales are sales are definitely down for some people. I think that they're going to miss for sure. Yeah. So uh, in the last in the last week or so, I've been getting a really really high rejection rate on video ads. Hmm. Uh, could it be related to to the situation or is Amazon more strict now with the videos? Cause they're like less than 45 seconds, no URLs on the video, nothing. Yeah. And I mean, at one point they started with the first half second was like white screen and I know they mm -hmm. don't like that. So we don't like that or the end. Yeah. Yeah. We removed that and we're still getting high rejection rate. And did they give you a reason by the way? Uh, yeah, until, until we edit the first half second of widescreen, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. they, they would give that reason. And since then, no reason, uh, just your ad was rejected. Okay. Cause we, we've been having uh, success getting them through, but what we've noticed is since they've opened it up to desktop, cause it was mobile only for a while, we've actually seen the performance of them kind of drop off. So there's more ad slots that are on desktop. Uh, and I think that they are further down the page or even at the bottom of the page. So then the impressions are going to be maybe a little bit less prominent, less valuable. Um, and, you know, there's one way to combat that, which is, uh, I don't have it in front of me right here, but in sponsored brands, um, you know, which is where the video is now. It's part of the sponsored brands, like family of ads you can make. Uh, you can do that um, bid modification uh by placement thing, um, which is a little bit different than the sponsored products one, but you can turn that on and you can say decrease bids by 99% for uh, placements that are not top of search. Mm -hmm. So basically what you're doing is saying, okay, if we're bidding a dollar, then I want to bid a one cent for these other placements. And that's going to focus you on the top of page. Um, you know, unfortunately there's no way for us to break it out by device or platform yeah. rather like mobile. Um, but we saw a really good performance of those with mobile. We've, we've seen it slip. I mean, it could also be due to just the general crappiness of the market in some, in some marketplaces. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the other thing we noticed is that they have a bid uh, minimum now. So you can't bid less than 25 US cents uh, for those. Oh, I never, I never tested yeah. that. On a keyword basis. Yeah, because you know, the right thing to do right now, and this is a whole other discussion, but if your conversion rates are really suffering, you have to go and adjust your CPC bids. You know that's that's the right action step for a lot mm -hmm. of these a lot of these problems people are encountering when they've got the conversion rate dropped by twenty five percent due to shipping times or whatever. Uh, and so you can't get it down below twenty five US US cents. Um, I've had two people in my team report that to me Thursday this this week. We had a discussion mm -hmm. about it. But uh, yeah, you know sometimes we'll put it real low uh, instead of pausing it, or sometimes. It makes sense. It'll still pick up a sale here or there if we put it at you know twenty one cents or something. But no, nope, yeah. twenty five is the the floor. So <laughs> for whatever Listen, reason, I want to ask you about. Uh, often Amazon invites us to you know beta testing something new. So mm -hmm. uh, you probably get invited to uh, same things or other different ones. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that works for abandoned carts yet? like remarketing to abandoned carts? Yeah. Um, the only thing I can think of that's like within Amazon's uh, you know, suite of advertising would be yeah. display ads. I know I've touched on this a couple times already. So 
you know, sponsored display is showing up in a lot of accounts now. And that's yeah. a very, very, very watered down version of the ad inventory that's available through DSP. And DSP has a whole world of like targeting options and audience building options. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually doing a little bit of that this weekend because we're, we're starting with some more clients with that. But essentially, you can do retargeting, remarketing uh, through display ads. And you can say like, let's do Amazon O&O, which is owned and operated. So you're doing it on Amazon and IMDB and maybe a couple other sites that Amazon's affiliated with. And that's going to hit people who have seen your page, have visited your page. Um, And there's an option there for people who have bought in the past. There may be an option for people who have added to cart. Um, I actually don't know, but I'm sure that there's something similar, quite similar to it. Yeah, I I mean, those I've tried, uh, but everything we've done with sponsored display has Mm -hmm. not given us good results. Yeah, I would say about 15% of the time it works well for us. (laughs) Okay, because the number of impressions, for one, is minimal. And Mm -hmm. then, I mean... The the ACOS is is not there. There's no sky high. Yeah. yeah, and while outside of Amazon, it's the other way, right? It seems like everybody that you retarget on Facebook is a little bit of a warmer audience, so they actually mm-hmm. convert better. Uh, the impressions are still lower, but they convert better. While here, uh, it doesn't happen. So I, I let me ask you something, Quay. Do you guys have the CPM or the CPC available through sponsored display? Because we have some clients that have the beta, so they have CPM through sponsored display. So they do they just pay per a thousand impressions. They don't pay per click. Oh. Yeah, and that's a bit we found that to be a better model, but only some clients have that available. Uh, not all of them do. And I, I don't know if there's a real pattern <laughs> to which do and which don't. <clears throat> yeah, I might have all CPC. I never saw CPM. Yeah, if you if you see that, give that a shot. That okay. that tends to be cheaper and works better because then you're not paying for the clicks. I mean, yeah, uh, you're just paying for the impressions. So you can bid lower in our experience, and you know the actual ROI might work out better. Um, but you gotta be real selective about what products you do for that too. Typically, they're like the hero products. They have a lot of visibility, a lot of sessions. And they have a bigger group of people to kind of retarget to, if that's what you're doing. Nice. So now I want to ask you about something that it's uh, on AMZ Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, the way you charge your customers is mm-hmm. a low fee and then 1% of the non-branded advertising revenue. I don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah. Let me explain. So yeah, we, we do for most clients, we still do that. We do flat fees too. If clients are uncomfortable with any kind of percentage, mm-hmm. some of them just like a flat fee, but the majority of clients are still on the percentage based model. Um, and the non-branded uh, people always ask about that one. I, I've tried for years to figure out how to make it better to explain, but essentially let's say that your brand is a, uh, uh, I don't know, Quinn's, Quinn's sandals because <laughs> yeah. you got a beach in backy right now. <laughs> yeah. Quinn's sandals. And people are searching Quinn's sandals on Amazon and they're trying to go for that brand. And if we have branded campaigns going, obviously those are going to be the best, uh, you know, revenue per click, uh, lowest ACOS terms, right? That's a given. And that's based on the strength of your brand that you have built, the business has built over the years. That has nothing to do with our advertising pro skills, right? Um, so the idea is we would take that revenue from Quinn Sandals and related terms and uh, we remove that from the percentage and then we do the multiplication simple and then we charge with the flat fee plus the percentage, but we remove that branded revenue. 
for some of our clients, branded revenue is like, you know, 15, 20% each month. Um, and you know, this is an ongoing discussion is like, how much do you want to spend against brand? Maybe it's only a little bit of money. Maybe your brand is so strong that you don't need to reinforce it. Or maybe your brand is now suddenly we're seeing more and more branded searches in the data. And so we should increase the brand spend and, you know, make sure we're owning that space and keeping competitors off it. That's a whole nother discussion. But yeah. the idea is essentially we're not going to piggyback on the success of your brand awareness and figure that into our model. Uh, it's just trying to align the incentives as best as possible. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, one thing I learned from one of my business partners is like there's a win-win in every business situation, and you just got to work towards finding that win-win. So I thought, well, I think that a percentage of ad spend is a really stupid model. I don't like that. Um, flat fee works, but it's not so flexible. But this percentage model seems to work quite well. So mm -hmm. that's what we settled on for most clients. Yeah. Do you think there's any brand out there that doesn't have the need to reinforce their brand? Maybe if they have absolutely no brand awareness, <laughs> it wouldn't be worth it. But even then, I'd still run campaigns because, you know, if there is someone looking for you specifically, you want to make sure they find you. Um, yes. that, that's my feeling. You know, you're probably going to show up organically on the SERP anyway, but hey, why not? Um, it might be, it's probably cheap too. Typically, the CPC for brand is really low yeah. um, unless you got competitors gunning for you, but your relevance is going to be way better than theirs. So you're probably going to end up paying less. You're, you know, your quality assessment in Amazon's auction is going to give you a lower uh, cost. It should. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, we still can advertise for our competitors' names, right? I know we can't have them on the listings, but we can still advertise yeah. our competitors' names, right? Yeah, and that's unlikely to ever change. I mean, you know, I worked in uh, Google, Google AdWords, you know, now just Google Ads uh, for years before I did this. And, you know, advertising your competitors is fair game, man. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. All's fair. But uh, obviously, don't do anything like put them in the title, the back end. I, I remember years ago, we had a client that put a bunch of competitor terms in the back end, and then they got slapped by Amazon. <laughs> and I said, what happened? What happened? Like, I assume they got attacked, black hat or something. I, oh, no, we just added a bunch of like competitor brand names. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and they said, what, what? You advertised for them. Uh, yeah, those are two different things. Those are two different things. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, years ago... Remember, uh, Manny Coates had a podcast, uh, AMPM podcast. <clears throat> yes, that's now the serious seller one with. Um, yes, yes. Um, what's his name? Yeah, the other guy. With I, I Bradley. To it, yeah. And, uh, Bradley, so yeah, Bradley Sutton. Years ago, Manny Coates actually uh, did that, and he got slapped too because he had his yep. competitors' terms in the back. Live and learn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So, how about that notification? Now everybody's getting. When logging into ad management in Seller mm -hmm. Central, mm -hmm. there's a notification that everything is going to change soon. And yes, oh, great point. Yeah, yeah. So um, you have to log in through what we used to call the AMS panel, but is now right. just Amazon's advertising. Right, advertising.amazon.com or .co.eu, whatever the case may be. You know, wherever you are. Like I said. Uh, you know, for a lot of clients in, in other markets, we just log in through DE or whatever it might be. And yeah, we have a good deal of clients that have uh, advertising console. We just call it AC, you know, uh, presence. They've had it there for years. They, they got it back in the day when it was like easy to get into. Yeah. And I think this is actually a great move. I'm really, really excited for this because this is a problem probably like two other listeners you have share with me, but we take on clients, you know, a couple every month. 
Uh, we want to onboard them. We want to get uh, our people in, in their accounts. And so to do that, we have a, a secure password manager and you know they have their password stored in that extension. They have two-factor authentication. They log in. The client has to invite them and set the permissions. You know, it's a whole song and dance. And when you do that a couple times, it's cool. But like at scale, it's really hard. <laughs> so if we need to invite like four or five people in their account, because one of them does the reporting, we have the person just strategy, we have the person mm-hmm. does the optimization, we have me so I can make sure everything's, everything's good. Uh, it just becomes a nightmare. So what this new um, feature is going to have inside of Advertising Console, and I, we're actually already on the beta for this for a couple months now, is a thing called a manager account. So we have an AMZ Pathfinder manager account. And if I'm set as admin, I have a dropdown in this, this dashboard with a bunch of different client accounts underneath it. Yeah. And I can easily remove and add people from my team to those accounts. Um, you know, like I said, since Advertising Console is a much smaller piece of the puzzle right now, um, that's not super important. But once everything migrates, that'll make that whole adding and removing people process much, much, much easier. Furthermore, uh, for security, I think this is huge because what we do when we talk to clients and people we do audits for is like, we need access to these three areas. And this is, you know, reporting, advertising, um, and uh, yeah, reporting, advertising, and I guess inventory to a limited extent. Yeah. Um, so give us these particular permissions because we don't want to see your credit card. We don't want to know about, you know, other financial details you have. Like we're not interested uh, from a security standpoint. We don't want to see it. We don't want access to it. Um, so if we just have advertising access through this other login, that's going to greatly improve that problem too. You know, so less security kind of like surface area risk uh, is the way I see it. My only concern is that we won't be able to see things like inventory, um, all the data that we enjoy from business reports. You know, we also download uh, and combine with Excel macros and other tools like various reports from client accounts. So if we don't have access to those, you know, the level of reporting detail that we have might drop off. So I'm a little bit worried about that. Yeah. Um, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm in, in general, I'm like really pleased with it because I think Amazon's finally realizing that they're like one of the big players and they're putting all their resources behind making like a really truly good advertising platform where you have like manager accounts and nested management and you can see a dashboard with all your clients. Like, Things that you know Google did 15 years ago, <laughs> basically. So I'm excited to to finally see that. Yeah, you know, the, there's one way that may it may fix your your problem, and it's something that we do. For example, uh, let's say in Seattle Central, I can uh, give permissions to to a different user. Mm-hmm. So I can, for example, if I have um, four four or five of my um, uh, remote staff that need to log in on an ongoing basis. I create one account mm-hmm. and then they log in through LastPass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, we use one password, which is almost exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. And then with this LastPass, they don't even need to know the password that, that actually is the, the login to the site because LastPass logs them in sure. with, with their own. And then they can all use one. For example, there's one account for me, and then one for uh, for them. Uh, is what that's is that something that works for you, or that's not what you meant? Uh, no, I mean that would actually work. And um, back in the day, we used to do that. You know, it, it, my my feeling though is taking the slightly longer road, but the slightly more difficult road is is the good move here. Because I always think about contingency plans, like. 
my feeling is that each person should have access to their own accounts and the things that they have responsibility for and nothing more. Yeah. Because imagine someone goes rogue and they want to create damage, right? It limits the area they could create any damage. We've never had that happen. Not, yeah, not yeah. Close, thankfully. But just imagine, you know, what, what are the different scenarios? What are the different outcomes? Um, or what if they just get hacked? I mean, a much more likely scenario that, you know, they didn't use the VPN, uh, they had a dodgy Wi-Fi and someone gets access. Uh, thankfully, we use two-factor authentication. So that should also mitigate that. Um, I, I went to school for like computer security stuff. So I have yeah. like some, some background in this <laughs> from, from years ago. But basically, I think about the risk area, right? What's the potential risk area? How can we minimize it as much as possible? Um, and so I think just giving people access to what they need to see in that alone is, is probably sufficient, mm-hmm. um, even though it is more of a pain in the butt for sure. Yeah. One of the things that I, I enforce with the team is actually password security. Mm-hmm. Not, not only with things that they got to log into within, within our brand, right? Mm-hmm. But with their personal email. Because if, if one of my staff members has a personal email that is, let's say, their name, and it's very easy to crack within seconds with brute force, right? right? That person can send requests to their email that they have access to now to change passwords of other accounts. Right, right. Uh, so it's not some, – sometimes they think, okay, I'm going to have a, a strong password – to log into, I don't know, let's say to my Zapier account because they use my Zapier account. Sure. But uh, I mean, uh, in, in that case, the email wouldn't go to them. But every time that somebody requests a I lost password, <clears throat> if that hacker uh, has access to their email, they're going to get the new email for whatever tool. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so crazy that a lot of people still have like, uh, password as their password, you know, or, <laughs> or, or just, one, you know, dog, dog's name, their birth year, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. One, two, three, uh, their first car, uh, <laughs> yeah. Girlfriend's last name, whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. Things that are more socially engineering, um, possible to crack or, or, or just do a dictionary brute force or like a rainbow, rainbow hash against or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother discussion, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I really recommend people use a two-factor authentication and not the one that goes to your phone because also SIM, SIM cards and numbers can be, can be hacked or changed too. You got to use the, um, the one-time pad one, the six-digit code that changes every 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So any good password manager is going to have that feature built in and so does one password and that's the one we use. So you, if, if someone gets a hold of their SIM um, and, you know, gets access to that, that won't change it either. That won't help them. So, you know, one less vector for attack uh, or, or break-in. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Brent, besides Amazon ads, do you run ads, uh, external ads directed to Amazon? No, we don't. We actually have people we can refer clients along to. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have a friend who's quite good at uh, Facebook launches and in, in advertising. That seems to be a big avenue these days. I know some people who do bot stuff specifically, like Facebook chat bots. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is a little bit different than Facebook ads. Um, AdWords, I mean, I have a friend who's an agency. They do AdWords stuff, but we don't really get a lot of requests for Google ads. Um, but we don't, we don't really mess with that. No, we really stick within the Amazon ecosystem. And that's intentional on my, on my part. I mean, my whole objective is like EU and Amazon ads. Those are the two kind of axes through which I see the company at this point and the mm-hmm. direction of growth. Um, so, yeah, we don't do that. 
What do you think is going to happen as soon as Amazon opens the gates again for everybody can restock? This seems like you're doing it very slowly now. Started a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, my my prediction is that they're not going to make an announcement because I think that they don't want. I mean, imagine if they did. What's the most likely scenario? Everybody right. and their grandma sends everything they have, and then then the then the warehouses have you know I don't know if you saw those videos online, but the trucks parked outside and backed up outside of Amazon warehouses, like for, you know, uh, like three kilometers or whatever. No. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're just trying to get in and that's like already happening. Um, and you know, there, there's some funny quirks with how truck drivers have their, um, hours and stuff logged. So if they go over too much in one day, they have to actually wait for like 10 hours before they can work again. Yeah. So that just exacerbates the problem. Um, yeah, so uh, I think they're actually going to do, they're going to continue to do like a, what we call a soft open, you know, <laughs> back at Apple. They're going to continue to just, uh, they're going to continue to just say like, okay, you can trickle in this and this restock and that resupply because you, you can check your um, your restock report or whatever it's called right now and you can see things are, things are available. I've been reading some threads on Reddit and stuff. People say, uh, you know, they can get a good percentage of their products in, but not everything. Yeah, they're going to do... Uh I love the term lazy loading. You know what that means? When I don't know. Oh, so <clears throat> it's a um, it's a term when it comes to websites, and Amazon does that with uh, with p pages too. And lazy loading is for for example, Google loves speed. Yeah, they do. So certain certain websites are very heavy, and when and Google will measure how long it will take them to open that page. With lazy loading. They're going to load essential uh, essential items. There you go. They'll load the essential things first, uh -huh. and everything that is heavy will load in the background after the, your customer can see the full page. Uh, okay. Right? So okay. sometimes if you open a Google, I don't know if you ever, um, or Amazon listing, and the image shows up right away, but it shows up still blurry, and then it clears up after a, a second. So that's, I have seen that. Okay, I have seen that. Yeah, that's lazy loading. So they give you a display and only after they perfect it, right? So I'm guessing that's what they'll do with um, when it comes to, yeah, to reopening. They'll do lazy loading. They'll lazy loading. Right? Essential only. Yeah. I mean, the word essential has been used so much uh, by me in the past couple of weeks to the team and the clients and everything, along with, uh, you know, quarantine, all these other, all these other vocab that we're... Uh, you know, if we had a word frequency counter for it, the words that come out of our mouths, I'd love to see the data on that. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, we could do it now with uh, certain tools that just type everything we say and then measure it at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. That's true. But uh, I'm not ready for that level of uh, intrusion in my life just quite yet. <laughs> exactly. Who knows what's being recorded already? All right. Well, I know what, then over the last um, 40 something minutes, Everything you said has been recorded. <laughs> so maybe... As long uh, as it's I, not used against me in court, I'm fine. <laughs> I'll get the VA to, to do a keyword density on what was said here. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. So Brent, um, where do you want people to find you? If they want to look for you, uh, of course, AMC Pathfinder is number one. Where else? Yeah, yeah, we're um, we actually, by the time you put this out, we should probably have our new website up. We're working on a migration to a totally new WordPress theme and trying to expand our services pages a little bit to reflect what we actually do these days because mm -hmm. we do a few more things. So yeah, mzpathfinder.com, best website location on the internet. But uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook too. I uh, 
We have an AMZ Pathfinder Facebook page. We're somewhat active on LinkedIn, as we established earlier. I'm not a pro, but you can mm-hmm. find me and message me on there too. And I'm happy to, you know, talk pretty much anyone about Amazon stuff. If you guys want to schedule a 30 minute call, um, happy to happy to chew the fat. Uh, I got nothing but time here in France. We're all locked down. I can only go outside for one hour a day, despite it being incredibly beautiful here. But, uh, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, where I am is really beautiful, as you can see behind me, <laughs> with, my, <laughs> right. with my fake scenery. <laughs> There's a foot of snow behind me. So, uh, But I do go out every day with remote control uh, monster trucks with my boy. And oh, that course, sounds like a blast. My, my girls go, too. And uh, uh, I had a credit from Wish. Uh, you know, wish.com. <laughs> I do. I, I got scammed at Wish, and I don't know if uh, if you have a couple of minutes, I'll tell you the story. So no, wish.com, this, is, this is cool. <laughs> wish.com had a really serious flaw on their site, and they didn't know it, and I figured it out, so I got a big Wish credit, so I get remote control cars for free now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, here, I'll tell you really quick what was happening. If... Uh, let's say you have a Wish account, I have a Wish account. If I wanted to take over your account, yours, I would have to go, all I needed was your email. I don't even need to try to crack your password. No, not anymore. Uh, but at the time, I would go and type in, for example, your email would be brentahead.gmail.com. I would enter it and say, I want to change my email. And they would request, what is your new email? (laughs) And then send me the option to change the password on your account. That's incredible. So This whole conversation we've had about security, look how important it is. (laughs) Exactly. They would send the request to the new email, not to the existing one. And, I mean, that is... That's unbelievable. 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 Uh, Just tells you about uh, safety right there. Uh, yeah, so that that started happening, and I mean, uh, when I found it, I I tried to alert them to it, and it took them a couple months to even acknowledge what I told them. They couldn't understand it, and then they did. And uh, so anyway, I get remote monster trucks out of it. <laughs> Is it only redeemable with remote remote controlled monster trucks? Can you get other things too? No, no. I <laughs> I got a um, it's a wish wish credit. And I can use nice. it on anything. I just okay, picked good. monster trucks and I got a few. And uh, why the heck not? That's <laughs> yeah. great. So you drive them in the snow? Yeah, four by four, man. They actually have two electric motors. So one for the front wheels, one for the rear wheels, and then a little motor to steer the front wheels. And um, That's I'm, really, I'm really surprised with them. Oh, man, they climb the was, snow. If I was six years old, I would go crazy for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm 40, Brent. I can't, I can't control it. <laughs> it's for the kids. It's for the kids. No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Nice to see you again. And uh, yeah, likewise. We'll stay in touch. We'll keep uh, keep everybody posted. What's going on here? Sure. Sounds good. Thanks for chatting. Thanks, Brent.